to the Icon Church podcast. Icon Church is one church in five locations. Our vision is human flourishing. We pray that this podcast helps you to flourish in life. For any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. Stand to our feet and make some noise for Nathan Blood as he comes and preaches. Can we just take a moment to give a big hand for Joel Phantom? Because I think you've drummed the best you've ever drummed tonight, mate. It's been incredible. Just beautiful. Thank you, guys. You can take your seats. Thank you for that welcome. I feel very welcomed. Um, I also want to say thanks to Ben for that beautiful introduction. I nearly started welling up on the front row. I think you flatter me. Um, I, we get the privilege to um, to write songs and to do what we love, right? And it's, it's you know it's something that we've we've been able to do over these last few years. But for me, um, what we've done and, and the songs we've written would never have happened without people like Ben, who've come along, who've come alongside us, and we've worked together. And we've written some amazing songs, and so um, you know I'm just really thankful that we get the chance to do what we do with all the people we get to do it with. Um, so thank you for that. Um, if you don't know me, my name is Nathan. As as, as Ben said. Um, I get the, uh, the privilege of leading our amazing creative team with my wife, April. Um, we have an amazing um, eight, nearly nine-month-old son called Roman, who is beautiful. He has um, currently got three teeth coming through all at once, um, and he's on the verge of learning to walk. So please pray for us, because um, I feel like life's about to get even more crazy and hectic than it already is chasing him around all over the place. Awesome. Um, I want to speak tonight about, um, or start off by talking to you about this um, strange phenomenon um, that's happened for the last few years, and it comes kind of around this time every year. Um, we've seen it for the last few years. We've actually just come out of this, um, this special time for us as a country. Um, it comes around the same time each year, and, and I feel like it's something which divides the nation, pits husbands against wife, pits friends against friends. Uh, something that creates its own language. Before this year, you'd probably never heard the word Bev, and you'll probably never hear it again either. Creates its own uh, subculture within the, the, you know, within the United Kingdom um, and takes over, completely takes over the public discourse. This is all that the media have been talking about for the last, I don't know, three months. I'm talking, of course, about Love Island. Which... Do you want to leave now? Sorry. <laughs> Which I um, feel I need to admit in front of you all and stay accountable is my guilty pleasure. There is nothing better than coming home after a day's work, sitting down and watching mildly attractive people tear into each other on national TV making fools of themselves. It's, it's, it's car crash TV in the best way because you know you shouldn't be watching it but you just can't tear your eyes away. And I feel like I, know, I can feel the brain cells disappearing as I'm watching it. It's that, it's that kind of a programme. But it's just too 
Good. Um, and what I love is the, um, the interactions that you see between people. There's um, such a huge mix of people in there. Really, the only thing that they all have in common um, is that they are all, as I say, moderately attractive, at least. Um, and past that, that's about it. So you obviously get kind of quite a, an interesting variety of people there. Um, you know, they, they had like a couple of scientists on this year, which is really interesting, and some slightly more stimulating conversations. There's always at least a couple of people who are... Um, for want of a better phrase, thick as a plank. Um, <laughs> in the most loving way. Um, but the thing about um, that show and what I noticed as we were watching it um, is that the, the words that those people speak in that villa carry a huge weight. Um, they don't really do much other than sit around talking and occasionally do some um, you know, stupid challenges or whatever, but they don't, they don't really do much past talking. Um, and, uh, and so their words um, are really important um, to each other, to their interactions with each other and to the way that they're perceived by the public. Um, somehow I find it interesting, there's this expectation that um, you couple up with a person, you've known them for two days and you find yourself there um, saying, I'll, I'll, I'm all about you, I'll never look at anybody beside you, my head will never be turned, it is what it is, it's all about you. Um, and then they're surprised when the next day somebody slightly more moderately attractive walks in and um, their head is suddenly turned. Because it's all about this 50k prize at the end, right? All they're trying to do is get to the final and win this money. Anything past that is a bonus, really. So um, I don't know why people still are surprised when um, their heads are turned, but... There's this one phrase that you hear um, every so often through the show. And um, when you hear this phrase, you know it's about to go down. You know it's going to get juicy when this happens. And, and the phrase um, can take many forms. It has a few variations that you hear throughout the show. Can I pull you for a chat is one of them. Something that was incredible this year that I've never heard before is, can we have a chin wag? Which I was not expecting. But they're all variations of this phrase, can I have a word? I saw that appear then, that was beautifully timed. Thanks, Tom. I thought I'd just draw attention to it as well in case nobody else noticed how beautifully timed it was, just for you. Um, can I have a word? And these, these five words um, really, I think, strike fear into people's hearts. There's something about those words in that order that can be truly terrifying. Um, imagine yourself back as a student and you've had a, an hour's lesson and you're just getting packed your bags up and you're getting ready to exit and a teacher pulls you to the side and says, can I have a word? The dread that fills your heart in that moment is second to none because you have no idea what's about to come but it's probably not going to be good. Um, or as a, as, a, as a loving husband, um, when my wife, when we're sat together at home and she's being quite quiet and then out of nowhere she says, can we have a word? Obviously, there's quite a big part of me that wants to run away. But again, um, there is that dread that fills your heart. Frantically thinking, my brain going 100 miles an hour, what have I done? What is it? What, what should I have done that I didn't do? What is it that I'm about to get in trouble for? Um, the worst for me at the minute is um, I'm currently a couple of years into um, doing a PhD at the University of Sheffield, and um, my supervisor will occasionally email um, and, uh, and, you know, and asked to meet. And there's something, something really great about um, being sat in your office and you get that little email notification pops up and you see in the address line, it's from my supervisor. And you click open thinking, what, what's this? This is going to be interesting. And then it says, can we meet to discuss this? And instantly, I'm terrified. And it doesn't matter what it is, 
that they want to meet about. It could be the most mundane thing. It could be that I know everything's gone right, but I'm always terrified because I just don't know what she's going to ask me. This can I have a word for me is, is, um, is slightly uh, uh, scary, shall we say. Um, and I guess it might say more about my work ethic than anything else. Um, but these, uh, I guess these few examples show us the power that words can have. Right? I think the reason that those, that phrase can be so scary is because those, those words have a real power, a real influence over us. Um, and, and words are not um, just a way that we communicate with the world around us, but they um, can shape the world around us, the, the world that we see. They're not just a way to, um, to, to get across a message to another person, but they shape the world around us. They can um, direct the future um, that we find ourselves in. So I want to read you some really, really encouraging verses from James 3. Are you ready to be encouraged tonight? Are you sure? Because these are probably the most encouraging verses I've ever read in the Bible. And as you can tell from my tone, I don't really mean that. When I read these, I just want you to sit back, let the Spirit of God wash over you, and feel uplifted in your spirit. Okay, James 3. I'm going to read it from here. It says, Not many of you should presume to be teachers, my brothers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. That is a great start for someone who's standing up here trying to bring the word. We all stumble in many ways. If anyone is never at fault in what he says, he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. And I feel reading this that James is getting slightly sarcastic in tone. If anyone is never at fault, then he is a perfect man, able to keep his whole body in check. But when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole person, sets the whole course of his life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. Are you feeling encouraged? <laughs> Because there's more to come. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles and creatures of the sea are being tamed and have been tamed by man. But no man can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father. And with it we curse men who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. And there's some really um, good points, some really interesting points hidden within this very harsh passage. I feel reading this um, like I kind of want to give James a hug and ask him who hurt him, because this feels like it's coming from a very dark place. Um, and it, to be honest, the first time that I read this, I've, I did feel that it was overly harsh, but then... I don't know, you kind of, um, you look at uh, our world, the world that we find ourselves in, and um, I don't know, there's, there's this, often there's this hateful rhetoric in the media, the way that um, people are spoken about is very down, trying to drag people down, um, pitting groups of people against each other, trying to create um, a reaction or, or, or provoke something. If you look at social media, often we can find negativity there. Uh, looking on Twitter is... is so bad for your spiritual life because there's just so many arguments and people having a go at each other and saying all, all sorts of things. Um, and even in a world where we have a, a president 
elected because he um, says it like it is and speaks his mind, which often seems to mean tearing people down and speaking the worst about people. Um, We actually see this uh, deadly poison that James speaks about in these verses. This salt water that comes from our speech rather than the life-giving fresh water that God desires. We see this, um, this ability of words to tear down. And it feels like often um, today words are used more to destroy than to build. But it's not just a, um, an out there problem. Sometimes it's an in here problem actually because I know that um, when I speak often it's so much easier uh, to criticise something than it is to contribute to something. It can be way easier to judge somebody with my words than to take a moment to step into their shoes. And James says that the tongue is the rudder, the ship's rudder for the body. So it directs the body. And um, even though it's a tiny, almost insignificant part, you know, a rudder compared to the size of the whole ship can be such a, such a tiny, small, insignificant part. And yet it plays such a vital role in keeping the ship going where it's meant to. And in the, that same way, the tongue is a small, insignificant seeming part of the body but actually it can be the most vital part of all of all because our tongue determines our lives through our interactions with each other our tongue determines the course of our lives as a rudder directs a ship the words that we speak will direct the course of our lives Um, and in this you know this internet age often our words are not just limited to our tongue but our what we type as well i think it still holds up in the same way that actually the way that we um uh, uh, the way that we behave, the way that we act on, on the you know, social media or whatever, um, has that same impact on our lives. The words that we speak through that medium have the same impact as the words that we speak to each other in real life. And if you ask me, what, um, what is it that makes me me? What is about me that, um, you know, that makes me the person I am? There's probably a few things that I would say, but I feel like my words would be very low down on the list. Probably wouldn't even think to mention them at all. But Jesus spoke very differently. Um, about our words and the way they affect us. In Luke 6 and verse 45, it says that a good man brings good things out of the good stored up in his heart and an evil man brings evil things out of the evil stored up in his heart for the mouth speaks what the heart is full of. The mouth speaks what the heart is full of. So Jesus would say, what makes you you is what comes from your heart and what comes from that is your words. So your words are a vital and integral part of the person that you are. Not just the interactions you have, but the very being that you are. And this idea is repeated in, 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 um, in Proverbs, with the idea that words reflect hearts, where it says the heart of the righteous weighs its answers, but the mouth of the wicked gushes evil. So our words are vitally important, crucial to the way that we live our lives, and the way that we use them will affect our whole lives. So I want to speak tonight about three key relationships that our words mediate. Three uh, key ways that our words um, affect our lives and the lives of people around us. So the first thing is this. Can I have a word with you? The most obvious um, use of our words, I think, is our communication with other people, the way that we interact with the people around us. Um, And when I'm looking at um, how does God intend for us to use our words for the people around us, Paul, uh, the writer of the New Testament, a lot of the New Testament, um, has this to say in Ephesians 4 and verse 29. I'm going to read from the screen. It says, do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, so that it may benefit those who listen. God gave us a voice in order to build others up. 
what Paul's saying here is that the purpose of you having a voice, a way to interact with those around you, is to build those people up. Never pulling down, but always, always building up and helping each other. We're meant to encourage each other. We were made to encourage the people around us. We're meant to support and to build each other up, to defend each other when things go wrong and people come against us, to advise each other with our words when things aren't going right. You know, we um, have mentioned already, we get the amazing privilege, myself and my wife, April, of leading um, the creative team here at Icon, and they do an incredible job. We're really uh, blessed um, by being able to, to work with some of these incredible, talented people. And um, one of the, the best things for me, one of the highlights is when we get to see people stepping out and doing something that, you know, perhaps is um, challenging for them or scary um, and using their gifts, their God-given gifts and talents um, in a new way and stepping out in that way. Um, but what's even uh, potentially even better than that is that when we see people do that, you know, when someone um, sings and leads a song in church for the first time, not only are they stepping out and using their gifts, but the encouragement that comes from the church is unbelievable. The way that people will come um, and say thank you, uh, uh, you know, and, and just really lift them up for having done an amazing job. Um, you know, being able to see that and get a glimpse into that is amazing. And I think sometimes we can wait um, for moments like that to encourage, which is great to take those moments. But um, for me, I don't know whether anybody else, you know, has, has ever felt like this. But sometimes I feel like I, you know, I um, have to get into encourage mode. To be able to lift somebody else up, I have to intentionally think about it and, uh, you know, and, and get myself ready to encourage and really, uh, I, I believe that that's not necessarily how it's meant to be or, or that more God intends for us to live constantly in that encourage mode. That our lives are always um, geared towards encouraging others and lifting others up. We have to live in this place of encouragement. Proverbs 11 says, your soul is nourished when you're kind. And there's this fulfillment for us even when we encourage others. Not only does it lift somebody else up, but it nourishes our soul, helps us to, um, to be lifted. Every one of us uh, goes through tough times now and again, and we need those well-timed words to pick us up. There's the amount of times that somebody has encouraged me here in church has said a few kind words about something that I'd done, um, and they didn't know that that was exactly what I needed to hear in that moment. The amount of times that hap that's happened is amazing, but it comes from us constantly living in that place of encouragement and support, building each other up. Words of support like that can help us to keep our eyes on the main thing, help us to focus on um, what's good and what's uh, true in our lives. Because you can be surrounded, moments in your life, you can be surrounded by that, almost that fog of doubt that can cloud the way ahead. You know, you're trying to keep on this path and you're trying to move forward into whatever it is, but there's this fog around that, that clouds your, your view whether that's doubt or insecurity or whatever, somebody coming in and speaking a word of support is, is like a signpost. Or it's like someone clearing that fog away and just saying, this is the way you're going. This is how you do it. Here's the support you need. Here's the way to go. Often things will come against the people that we love. And it's our job to step in with our words. When words of negativity come against people, our words are our weapon to combat that to brush away the negativity or to brush away what's holding people back and hurting people and to lift them up with our words. We're called to speak the very best of people in all situations, at all times, always. And you know, sometimes community can mean helping people. It can mean taking a moment to say, I, I can see that you're in this situation and I know you want to get out of it and maybe here's how. Proverbs 11 and verse 9 says this. 
With their mouths, the godless destroy their neighbours, but through knowledge or discernment, the righteous escape. Our words can help someone um, out of a situation, but it takes discernment, right? It's not about picking people apart and criticising every little thing, but discerning how and when is the right time to speak to someone and to help lift them up and to help them see the right way to go, to move forward. So our words to each other can have an incredibly radical impact on each other's lives, to encourage each other, to support each other, to defend and to advise. The second thing um, really is that our words to ourselves. Can I have a word with myself? Um, Because not only do our words mediate the relationships we have with people around us, but they also mediate my relationship with myself, the way that I see myself. And Jesus spoke about this relationship with with ourselves when he said, love your neighbours as you love yourself. So don't just love the people around you, but first of all, love yourselves. In order to speak well of and to speak well to other people, we have to first speak well of and to ourselves. Our interactions with other people come out of how we see ourselves. And so we need a healthy self-image in order to be able to build up the people around us. And the way that we do this is by speaking good to ourselves. Proverbs, another verse from Proverbs 18 Verse 20 says, From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. With the harvest of their lips, they're satisfied. From the fruit of their mouth, a person's stomach is filled. You know, often um, talking to yourself is seen as an odd sign, a sign that maybe something's not quite right or whatever. I'm not, I talk to myself all the time, so take what you want from that. Um, But the Bible encourages that actually um, the words that we speak fill our lives. The words that we speak uh, are the fruit for our, our stomachs and our souls. Your words feed your soul. So as much as I talk other people up, as much as I encourage others um, and speak well of them, can I do the same for myself? And this is not a boastful thing, right? Because uh, Paul, uh, again in the New Testament, writes, it's by grace that you've been saved. By grace that you've been saved, not by faith. It's not, uh, sorry, not by yourself, but by grace through faith. Um, which means that even though I'm flawed and I'm imperfect, even though sometimes I feel broken, even though sometimes I wind myself up, God chose me. Despite how likely I am to mess everything up, God chose me. And chose me not because of what I've done, but before the creation of the world, before I even existed, God chose me and chose every one of us. Chose me and chose you. From the fruit of your mouth, your stomach is filled. So what fruit is your mouth producing? What words are you feeding your life on? And in Genesis, God displays this creative power of words, the ability for words to uh, make something new or to create something new because he spoke into being. God spoke and creation formed out of a word. And this same spirit lives in every single one of us. This same creative power lives in every one of us. This this spirit and power of God. And and it's outworked through our words. So we have this same creative power. When we speak, we can create something new, create something out of nothing. So what words are you speaking? Because I feel that we should be speaking words of generosity. Not living stingy, but speaking abundance into our lives and into the lives of others. We should be living lives of creativity, speaking words of creativity. That that when it looks like there isn't a way and when I can't even see a way, I'm going to make a way for that. I'm going to do something new. We should be speaking words of positivity, right? That this life is the best. 
And that, that's not ignoring the facts and not ignoring that sometimes things feel pretty rubbish, but choosing to view them in the right way. Choosing to view them with a positive spirit and a thankful spirit, thankful for the blessings that God has given us. We should speak empowerment into our lives. That actually wherever I am and whatever I'm doing, God has called me and equipped me and is empowering me to do it and to make it happen in Jesus' name. And we should speak words of passion. That actually this right here is what I'm living for. This is what I'm here to do. This is what God created me for and called me for. I think by speaking those words over our lives, we start to view every situation that we come into, every situation we come across, every person we meet. We start to view all that in a different way, a different filter, start to view it God's way and start to see ourselves the way that God sees us. Speak these things into your life. Let God work through your words to change you. Um, and finally, uh, as I kind of draw this to a close, that what I think is the basis for everything that I've talked about, every word that I speak to another person, every word that I speak to myself, can I have a word with God? You know, we were, you were created and designed for a personal relationship with God. And like our earthly relationships with each other, communication is key. That relationship is built on communication. You know, Jesus gives us a great example of this because there's multiple times throughout the, the gospel narrative that he goes and prays. Despite being God, he knew uh, and understood the importance of going and taking time to speak with God and talk to the Father and build that relationship through words. And I believe that the way that we talk to God can have a huge impact on our lives. So here's how Jesus taught us to speak to God. Here's the words that God taught us to use, how to use those words. In Matthew 6, you might have heard this before, a word similar to these called the Lord's Prayer. This is the way that Jesus teaches us to speak with our Heavenly Father. In Matthew 6, it says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we as as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. These are the words that uh, Jesus teaches us to use. And I think it's important to know that it's not always these exact words. He's not saying every time you pray, you've got to recite this. Not that there's anything wrong with doing that. And that could be a powerful thing. But actually, it's a model for us to build our prayer life around. A model for us to build our interactions and our relationship with God around. Because when I look through this, I see kind of um, a flow almost of how our prayers and how our communication with God is supposed to look. And it starts in praise. Our Father in heaven, holy is your name. It starts with a thankful spirit, giving thanks to God, giving thanks in all things, Paul writes. Because this leads to generosity. It leads to positivity. It leads to thinking well of ourselves and others. When I start, with praise, before I think about anything else, I fix my eyes on God. Praise Him for who He is and for what He's done. It means I come to God and rather than bringing my burdens, bringing the rubbish of my life, I start with a positive outlook. Not starting from where I am, but starting from God's perspective over my life. Starting with praise. From praise, we go on to say, your will be done. God, your kingdom come and your will be done. That's us getting the right focus. 
fixing our eyes on the right things. Prayer is not about getting what I want, but about my purpose and my calling as a child of God, about the things that God wants to outwork in and through my life. So when we pray, we come to God and we say, your will be done, God. Your will be outworked in my life. And then we bring our needs. Give us today our daily bread. Remember, God cares for you. Every single one of us. God cares for us and cares about the details of our lives. And then finally, we say, lead us not into temptation. God, make me more like you. This is always what our relationship with God should be leading us towards, is becoming more like Jesus, becoming more like the person that he was and reflecting God more and more in our lives, pursuing the Garden of Eden where man walked side by side with God with no separation. That's where we're coming to, a place of connection and relationship with God. And all this, Jesus teaches us, is based on our words. We speak to God. And you know that doesn't have to be out loud. God is not limited by the physical that we see. So we can pray in our minds, pray out loud, wherever. But there is that power in speaking out, in speaking out something over your life, in speaking out something over the situation you find yourself in. There's power in using our words because it stirs something up within us. Again, that creative power starts to take work as we speak those words out in prayer. And you know, the words that we speak to God should be the words that, uh, should be the foundation that builds every other relationship in our lives, builds every other interaction in our lives, the relationship we have with ourselves and with others. The words that we speak to God all come down, uh, are the basis of all that. Everything comes down to those. But you know, ultimately, all of this that I've spoken about comes down not to what we say to God, but what God says to us. Or or I guess more accurately, what we hear God saying. It all comes down to the words that we hear God say to us. And I think in order to understand and embrace these truths that he speaks, whether that's building each other up, whether that's encouraging ourselves, whether that's seeking God in prayer, we need to know the words that God has for us. And as we've uh, stood here tonight and we've praised and worshipped, as we've sung and we've spoken about this incredible God and his love for every one of us. Do you know what God says about you? Do you know what God has to say about you? There's this beautiful picture in Luke 15, the story of a man who um, takes his father's inheritance and runs away with it um, and goes and wastes it all on this extravagant living and eventually ends up with the pigs feeding the pigs in order to make a living. He's so hungry that he ends up eating what the pigs are eating. And eventually he thinks, I'm being stupid. I'm going to go back to my dad. I'm going to apologize for what I've done. Say, I'm so sorry. Please let me come back. Even just as a servant in your house, I'll be treated better than I am here with the pigs. But as he comes back to his father, we see in Luke 15 and verses 20 through 24, this is how the father responds to his son coming back. He says he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. The son recognises in that moment that he's not anything. 
He's taken this inheritance. He's squandered it. He's sinned against his father. He's done all the things that he was brought up not to do. And yet here's his father's response. The father says, quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and let's have a barbecue and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and he's found. And they began to celebrate. You know, the words that God speaks about you are that you were dead, but now you're alive. You might have been lost, but you can be found tonight. This is an incredible picture, the perfect picture of what God says to each and every one of us. Because we've been that child. We've gone and done whatever. It doesn't, but it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter where you've come from. It doesn't even matter what you did yesterday or last week or 20 years ago. What matters is that when you come back to God, feeling worthy or not, God loves you. And the words that God speaks over you is that you are found. You are alive. And that's the reason that we're here doing all of this. It's the reason that we've praised and worshipped. It's the reason we sing and we gather together as a church is because God is crazy passionate about speaking those words to every single person on this earth, that every person would hear and understand that they are loved and acknowledged and that God wants this relationship. So God loves you. If you take nothing else away tonight, God loves you and wants you to know these words. He created you for this relationship with Him. He has a purpose for you. He desires to know you. And you know, this is for every single person, not just in this room right now, but in Chesterfield, in Derby, in Sheffield, in Sutton, in London, in Spain, in the whole of the UK, Europe, the world. Every single person God loves with an unfathomable love. So we're going to pray a prayer tonight. And this is just a moment for us to start putting our words into action. Because this is a moment for us to speak to God as we've, as we've talked about. And to say in this moment, God, I need you. And I hear the words, God, that you say about me. I hear you saying that I'm loved. I hear you saying that I'm found. And I want to know that love, that freedom right here in this moment. So in a moment, I'm going to ask everybody to bow their heads and close their eyes. And what we're going to do is, um, I'm just going to ask you, if, if you feel tonight something stirring in your heart, whether you've been to church a thousand times or you've never been before, you might be here and you just feel something, something that somebody has said or something we've sung tonight has spoken to you, has kind of echoed in your soul. We're going to take a moment and with every head bowed and with every eye closed, I'm just going to ask you to raise your hand. The reason for doing that is that's a moment for you to make that response, to take an action that says, God, I want this. God, I want you and I want this relationship and I want to know whatever comes with it. I want to find out what it is. So if we could bow our heads, close our eyes. Like I say, if that's you and you just feel tonight like you need to make this response, Maybe there's something missing. Maybe you've felt a connection to something we've done tonight. Maybe you've made a decision before, but you just want to say, God, I've strayed. 
I've not been living this life that I know you want me to live. And after I count to three, I want you to raise your hand just so that you can make that decision and we can pray together and we can believe for God to work in your life. So after three, if that's you, you raise your hand nice and high in the air. One, two, three. Come on, let's stand to our feet. We're going to pray this prayer on the screen together. This is your moment to renew and to redeclare or to declare for the first time that Jesus, I want this life and I want everything you have for me. So let's say this together. One, two, three. Dear Lord Jesus, I come to you today and confess that I need you. Please come into my life and forgive me of all my sins. Jesus, be my Lord and Saviour. Thank you for giving me a brand new start. Today, I open my life to you. Amen. Church, let's use our words to build each other up. Let's speak life into our own lives. And let's speak to God. Give Him thanks. Give Him praise. Bless His name. Thank Him for all the incredible things He has for us. Amen. Amen. We hope you enjoyed this podcast from Icon Church. If you'd like any more information about Icon Church, log on to our website at www.icon.church. Have the best week.